You're listening to the Harris Beach Podcast, a show that explores evolving issues in the law and how they shape organizations, the way business is conducted, and how we live and work. The information provided in this episode does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials are for general informational purposes only. Thanks for listening. Here's today's host. Thank you for joining us. I'm Brian Carnavale, your host for today's episode. New York State seemed poised to legalize marijuana in 2020, but those efforts, like so many others, were thwarted by COVID-19. However, we can expect this unfinished business to remain on the radar, with legalization seen as a way of creating jobs, raising tax revenue, and lowering incarceration rates. Attorneys Megan Feenan and Taylor Ventry, both members of the Harris Beach Cannabis Industry Team, are going to talk to us today about what could be around the corner in this burgeoning industry particularly as it pertains to municipalities, special improvement districts, and industrial development agencies. Taylor, I'll start with you. Can you provide the listeners with a, a brief history of cannabis in New York State, say over the last five or 10 years? So New York has not progressed as quickly in comparison to some of the other states with respect to recreational cannabis. Looking at states near New York, for example, just this week, the governor in Vermont signed a bill legalizing recreational cannabis sales to adults. And of course, we know Mass and Maine legalized recreational marijuana sales a few years back, um, although Maine did face a significant delay with its implementation of the law. So again, New York has not progressed as quickly as other states, though the national movement for recreational cannabis and medical cannabis did begin with New York State passing the New York Compassionate Care Act, which was back in 2014, and this addressed the need for medical cannabis. And the following year, in 2015, New York engaged with the Industrial Hemp Agricultural Research Pilot Program, which started promoting the hemp industry and the hemp side of cannabis. More recently, in 2018, New York began to fund studies on the legalization of adult-use recreational marijuana, and then in 2019, we started to see decriminalization, which is an extension from the 1977 decriminalization movement for cannabis. However, keep in mind, this does not mean full legalization. So right now in New York, we're still in this period of time where recreational cannabis is not legal, but it is decriminalized. Megan, can you dive a little bit deeper there in terms of just where we are right now with bills and what, what might be around the corner when it comes to adult use recreational? Past legislative session, everybody in New York figured recreational cannabis would be the star of the show, per se. The legislature did not end up passing a bill legalizing recreational marijuana, but the dark horse called the Hemp Bill did end up passing through the legislature in December of 2019 and was signed by the governor in January. The final version of the Hemp Bill has three main sections, one, licensing, two, labeling, and three, testing. So in general, the Hemp Bill requires processors or manufacturers distributors, and retailers of all hemp products to secure a license from New York in order to manufacture, distribute, or sell any hemp products intended for human consumption. This is going to include CBD, which to this point has been widely sold anywhere from a hemp farm to your local health store and to a Rite Aid. So the fact that the hemp bill now requires all retailers to have a license to sell is, is pretty monumental. The hemp bill also set up certain labeling and testing requirements. 
processors will be required to provide appropriate warnings on all consumer labels and are now restricted from making any claims regarding the potential health impacts or benefits of hemp. Plus, processors are going to be required to contract with an independent laboratory approved by the Department of Health to test all hemp products before they end up going to market. Earlier versions of the hemp bill did contain a prohibition against out-of-state hemp products being sold in New York, and this was, this was pretty controversial, but the final version did abandon that requirement, and now the only requirement is that out-of-state products can be sold in New York as long as they meet New York requirements. So even though we do have this, this comprehensive hemp bill, it's important to note that it sets up only a general framework for how hemp is going to be handled in New York. The legislature gave the Department of Health and the Department of Agriculture and Markets the authority to release regulations that are going to kind of fill in the gaps of what the legislation leaves behind. For example, what are these actual license applications going to look like and what are the testing and laboratory requirements going to be? Those regulations have not been released yet. So we still don't have recreational marijuana, but we do have significant movement in the hemp space, and we're hopeful that we might see recreational passed in 2021. Right now, there's two competing bills in the legislature that would legalize recreational marijuana. The main issue that New York State is trying to tackle is the social equity piece of that. In other words, where should the tax revenue go, and how much of that should address communities that were historically impacted by the criminalization of marijuana. The first bill proposes an indirect approach, giving zero to low interest business loans and waiving application fees for historically impacted communities. And the second bill is more direct. It allocates a proportion of tax revenue to underserved populations through a grant program. So especially considering the current political climate, how to use adult use legislation to address social equity concerns and target underserved areas has become a really hot button issue and will be one that we expect the legislature to focus on next session. So it, it seems as though there remains a, a lot of unknowns, a lot of complexities for municipalities to, to really contend with at this point. What are those key considerations? If you had to just pick a handful Megan, those key considerations for municipalities to be thinking about as this landscape goes through so much change. Sure. So, as I said, we, we do have a general framework, but we haven't been able to fill in the, the gaps of what specific requirements there's going to be for municipalities and, and other communities. But we know that municipalities should be considering how the social equity measures could be impl implemented in their community, because one way or the other, this bill is going to try to address those types of concerns. And depending on how they shake out and what, you know, what bill comes out on the other side, municipalities should be prepared to allocate some portion of tax revenue to traditionally underserved areas of their communities and possibly target, you know, what communities those would be. They should also consider if they're going to opt in or out, opt out of local sales. Under the past versions of the bills, counties and cities with more than 100,000 people can choose to opt out of adult use in their community, or in other words, you know, prohibit those sales in their communities. Several counties have already indicated that they would make that choice. Uh, right now, we know of Columbia County, Chemung County, Nassau County, 
Putnam, Suffolk, and Rockland uh, have all indicated that they would opt out. And Cattaraugus and Oneida counties have also announced that they're considering opting out of local sales. For counties that are planning to move forward with recreational sales, municipalities should assess their community, address any zoning gaps or holes that might come up when retail sales go into effect, and again, consider how the social equity measures might be addressed within their local community. Taylor, what are the questions that you're hearing from municipalities, questions they should be asking? Well, in terms of economic development, if a community welcomes, for example, a hemp operation or hopefully someday soon in New York, a recreational marijuana operation, there will, of course, be ancillary businesses coming along with that. So, you know, think, for example, you have accessory manufacturers, you might have some tech startups and, you know, maybe someday purely cannabis focused attorneys. So obviously the ancillary businesses aspect of this would certainly support the economic development of municipalities. Some municipalities at the same time may not wish to have all sorts of new, and I guess you could call these sort of different businesses popping up in their areas. So for example, I was living in a county in Massachusetts, which was a more rural community. Um, and I was there when recreational marijuana shops started opening. And one opened in a location right off the thruway in what was normally this sleepy, quiet little town. And once this, this store opened, the line to get in would be wrapped around the building. Um, you know, people would wait in line for hours. Traffic was backed up for miles. So and, and some of these people had traveled for hours to even go stand in line just to see the shop and, you know, hopefully be able to get in before it closed. So they would sort of make a, a make a day trip out of it. They would maybe go eat at the restaurants afterwards and, and go shopping around the town after that. So it was great for business for the whole town. Um, but what's interesting is I think if you were to ask two different people about what was going on in the community, you'd get mixed reviews. I think most people were, were excited about the suddenly booming economy, but there were others who've lived in that town their whole life. They were used to the peace and quiet. And, you know, I don't think they were necessarily thrilled about being stuck in traffic, just going to and from, you know, their their work every day. Um, and that never used to be the case. But, you know, there that's just one town that was a rural community. And, and there's a chance that, you know, the revenue coming along with the welcoming of the cannabis industry into a municipality might change the minds of the people who maybe weren't so excited about this initially. And, and of course, without additional legislation and without additional input from communities, it's difficult to know at this time how much potential revenue a municipality might be looking at. Um, and because of that, you know, maybe these communities who aren't so sure about these big changes right now might subsequently change their minds once they see some projected revenue amounts in front of them. And I guess the million dollar question or multi-million dollar question, perhaps, Megan, what's your read on when we may see movement and legalization? So the COVID-19 pandemic has been a bit of a double-edged sword for proponents of recreational cannabis. It certainly had a financial impact on the business community, including the hemp businesses, um, but it's also forced the state to consider other streams of revenue. It's no secret that the, the state is facing a financial deficit, and we expect that the legislature is going to consider all 
future and additional sources of revenue it can this upcoming session, which would certainly include recreational cannabis. The program will likely take more funds to start than it will get back in profit, but it's certainly something that we're aware of the legislature considering, and we're hopeful that 2021 could be the year it happens. As for hemp, we expect the Department of Health and Department of Agriculture and Markets to release regulations soon, again, that will fill in the gaps of the statutory authority. We're not sure exactly when those will come out, but as it stands right now, several provisions in the hemp bill are poised to take effect on January 1. So hopefully we'll have some regulations before that date. All in all, it should be a busy year for, for cannabis ahead in New York. My last question is, as organizations look to navigate the you know, relatively uncharted waters of the cannabis industry, should they need legal support? How can Harris Beach help them on the path toward legalization and beyond? So the, the cannabis industry team at Harris Beach started out actually with medical marijuana and navigating the regulations that, that originated there. Um, our team has since expanded certainly into hemp and now into recreational cannabis. And we have a lot of experience dealing with these regulations, trying to interpret them and trying to get clients licensed and prepared to process, distribute, retail, whatever is they, is they need in the cannabis scope and serving to get their business objectives met. So, and I would just add that Harris Beach can also be of assistance to municipalities when they're sifting through their rights with respect to legislation, navigating whether to welcome cannabis companies into their communities, and doing so in a way that's tailored to that community and reflects that community's values. Um, and additionally, Harris Beach can assist cannabis businesses with every aspect of labor and employment law that may come their way. You know, you'll have the hiring of employees, firing of employees, all of your potential employment-related issues that may arise, creating policies, making sure businesses are operating in compliance with, you know, wage and hour law, leave laws, the human rights law, and, and many other laws. So we can certainly help. Thank you all for listening and to Megan and Taylor for joining us. We'll be sure to have them back as things progress and legislation moves forward. For more information in the meantime, including how to get in touch with Megan and Taylor, visit www.harrisbeach.com slash cannabis. Thanks for listening to the Harris Beach podcast. Be sure to visit harrisbeach.com to join the conversation and access show notes. Please rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast.